Welcome to the Inspiring Women of the 719 podcast, brought to you by the Success Collective. You see these women every day in the grocery store and on the soccer field. They are women just like you and me, and yet they are living inspirational lives through their thoughts, words, and actions. Let's meet the powerhouse next door with today's host, Brittany Hansen. Welcome to Inspiring Women of the 719. We're so excited to be here today to learn from an amazing woman here in the 719 area. Today's guest is Michelle Traring. I probably butchered that. Sorry. <laughs> Michelle. All right. You got it. <laughs> I did. Awesome. Michelle is an award-winning arts, culture, and travel writer who received Writer of the Year for her bodies of work from 2018 and 2020 from the New York Press Association. She has traveled the globe from Ecuador, Thailand, and Canada to Greece, Iceland, and South Africa. While driving across Canada for seven months, she fell in love with the Rocky Mountains, and so she moved to Colorado Springs, sight unseen, with her mischievous cat, Shelby. While she considers herself a homebody, you can find her out exploring the trails every chance she gets, tucked in a corner at Jive's Coffee House, or enjoying the atmosphere at Sugar's. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. So honored to be here. Yes, well, you have a fun introduction right off the bat, all the countries oh, yeah. that you've been to. So tell us your story. How did you get into journalism? And has this been a lifelong passion? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, short answer, no, it hasn't. I first wanted to be a paleontologist. I love dinosaurs. Anyone who spends any short amount of time with me knows <laughs> passionate about those dinos. Uh, but then I pivoted toward uh, wanting to be a veterinarian. And in high school, I did an independent research project uh, that studied the recovery rates of osteoarthritic canines for acupuncture versus more like traditional medicine. And that was super cool, right? Uh, But as I was writing it, I realized that what I loved was more of that writing process as opposed to the science. So for the next semester and last semester of high school, I signed up for a journalism class and the rest is history. That's incredible. So did you go to school for it or did you just skip and go straight into writing? Oh no, I went to four years (laughs) of journalism school. Oh yeah. Um, I went to Stony Brook University on Long Island. Okay, great. And so you were in New York writing. Mm -hmm. What spawned the travel and then kind of getting further out with your writing? Uh, yeah, so once I graduated from school, I kind of lucked into an opportunity to work for a group of hyperlocal newspapers on the east end of Long Island, which is more commonly known as the Hamptons, quote unquote. <laughs> and that was great. You know, the Hamptons are great. They're beautiful. Uh, you're rubbing elbows with the most incredible people. Uh, but, you know, after six years, I just felt a little disenchanted with my surroundings and I resigned in 2016 and started traveling full-time first moving to Ecuador with my cat (laughs) incredible so was this so you're obviously there had to be some fear leaving because I'm assuming with your first writing job that's like a set pay you get a paycheck no matter what was the other job you took a little bit more of that freelance or not necessarily a hundred percent. I'm going to get, make this much money a month or. There was a little bit of nervousness attached to that for sure. 
Um, I had been squirreling away my money since I was like 12. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a little bit of a cushion uh, when I set on, out on that. Um, but I did pick up a bunch of freelance work. And one of those freelance gigs was with our competitor at the time. Uh, and she said to me, hey, saw you moved to Ecuador. Cool. Do you still want to freelance for us? And they're based in the Hamptons too. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. And that company ended up merging with my former company uh, in 2018. And so now we're all back together and I'm still oh, wow. working with the people I started with in 2010. So yeah, one big happy family. And it's still the same deal. As long as I meet my deadlines, they don't care where I am. So here I am in Colorado for That's, almost three years now. So how did you start with Ecuador? Oh, um, just wanting to immerse myself in a totally different culture. Mm -hmm. You know, that was kind of, that was the big draw to it. And from there, it just, it, it fanned out um, to about 20 countries in, in two and a half years. So yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. What can that I say? is incredible. What would yeah. you say is your favorite part of the traveling and getting to write while you're traveling? Does it like inspire a lot of your writing? It definitely does. Yeah. You know, you, you cross paths with people and people's stories that you never would have, and they stay with you and they just completely expand your worldview and your sense of empathy and, uh, you know, connecting with people. That's why I'm a journalist right? You know, I just want to tell these stories, especially for people who can't tell them themselves. That's the whole draw. So traveling and, and meeting people and talking to people from all walks of life. Yeah. It was You're invaluable. All in one thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I love to travel too. And I always get the, the minute I get off the plane, I get goosebumps like oh, legitimately because yeah. I'm just like, it's that unknown feeling. Yes. And even and if God, it's like yeah. England and it feels a lot like America, but then I'm like, these buildings are so old that you can't They're find so old. Yeah. <laughs> and how people sit in like, you know, they have a four hour lunch break and I'm just like, we're doing it wrong in America. That's mostly what I learned in other countries. That's fair. That's fair. I love what you said about like the goosebumps though. And that like that anticipation and that unknown, it's so exciting. There's so much endless possibility in that, you know, mm -hmm. and just yeah. travel makes you, it changes who you are. So I can yeah. only imagine writing that cohesiveness of excitement has to come out into your writing and feeling culture and all of that. What story would you say? And I'm sure you've covered so many stories, but what's one that's like stayed with you? Mm. All it's, <laughs> oh, it's such a hard question. Oh, it's such a hard question. Um, it's, well, recently, uh, our newspaper group just put together the 20th anniversary section of 9-11. And yeah, oh, right. Um, it's just like that feeling like sinks into your body. Uh, and my two stories that I contributed to that section, I think will forever stay with me, completely changed me. Uh, as a reporter, um, in some ways as a, as a person and sort of my outlook on life. Uh, and the one was with the sister of one of the passengers who was on United 93. <sighs> and she got a voicemail from her sister during the hijacking. And you know, and it's, oh gosh, it's like you go into that thinking that you're prepared 
And there's nothing that can prepare you for that. But ultimately I asked her, you know, how do you move forward from the impossible? How do you do that? And she said to me that she could have curled up into a ball and died with her sister, or she could live as authentically as humanly possible, which is what her sister would have wanted her to do. Oh, and it's you know, so it, hard to do that. Oh. I know, I know. <laughs> and she just said to me, you know, it's like, this is it. Like, this is what we've got. We've got this one life and we've got to make it count. And that's what her sister would have wanted her to do. And that's what she's going to do. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, on the other end of the phone, just like completely enraptured in this story that she told me and, uh, and that will stay with me forever. I mean, that goes back to the human connection piece that you were saying, why you're so drawn to writing. It's humans and stories. Everyone has a story. Right. And they're the ultimate connector. Right. And Mm -hmm. we just need to keep sharing those stories and keep connecting (laughs) with each other, especially after this last 18 months that we've been living in. I mean, my gosh, like talk about needing to stay connected with one another. And how was it writing through COVID? I mean, during all of that, there's been a lot of the backlash on the media and the media is the problem and the divisiveness. It's like every narrative you hear is media, 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 that it's interesting to hear from other people's perspective when they're like, that's not my narrative at all. This is, you know, in some way, my truth or what I'm reporting on. Yeah. Gosh, you said it, sister. I, yes, (laughs) extremely challenging, extremely challenging, you know, like seeing someone carve murder the media into the Capitol doors, you know, like watching that happen in real time, people taking selfies in front of it. It was it was and is still extremely alarming, you know, having sources ask me, oh, is this the fake, fake news? Is this the fake media? And it's like, no, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to do my job, just like so many of my colleagues are trying to do their jobs. Uh, But during that time, I wrote some of the most intensely rewarding stories of my career. And then having the NIPA award on top of it just kind of helped you know, reassure me that we're doing all right. We're doing what we're here to do. We're doing it. And how yeah. was it, you know, 2020, obviously you received a highly acclaimed award um, from the New York Press Association. So how did that feel getting that validation for your writing? I can imagine, you know, like everyone's like, oh, award schmords, but it's still <laughs> like, you put that up on the desk and you're kind of like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did that. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like, you know, like, hey, girlfriend, you know, yeah, (laughs) not bad. No, it was, um, it was extremely validating. And it came at a time that, wow, it was needed. You know, it was, it was needed. And um, I'm figuring out where to hang it up. I want to see the shelf soon, just like <laughs> prominently. I mean, why not just have it in the living room? Just right in front. Of this is my <laughs> shelf. This is my work. <laughs> I'm trying not to be like super obnoxious, you know. But um, we'll see what kind of mood I'm in. I think I'm it's in. okay to be proud of accolades. But I just always laugh that women are so much more like quiet about receiving awards, and I'm on the other side, like show everybody, tell everyone you got that award. <laughs> And that's why you're brilliant at what you do. You know, you are just constantly building up women. And my gosh, you know, look at this podcast, for example. 
it's like, so fun yeah, for us because we get to meet and talk to incredible women because there's so many in this town too that you'd never guess you know like you ended up here from New York like it's such a melting pot and everybody yeah. has their proud Colorado natives and I'm proud of you guys for being from there but there's some really cool people that have come here too <laughs> yeah transplants no transplant cool. too. Cool transplant. <laughs> um so traveling a lot Mm-hmm. Were you alone a lot of that? Did you have anyone with you or was it kind of that, like, I'm on a journey? I was alone. countries by yourself. Yeah, I was alone for about half of it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely got some raised eyebrows from, you know, people in customs and you're like giving them your form and they're like, oh, so are you here by yourself? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, uh, do you know anyone here? No. You don't? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's just this sort of like puzzled look on their faces so many of the times. And, you know, I just think it's important, especially as women, to really get out there and put, as cliche as it is, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone, prove to yourself that you're able to do something like this and just go for it you know, you will just, you will see that you are so much more capable than what you ever imagined. Really, truly. I love that. Everything that you just said. That's why you're on this podcast today. Oh girl. It's just that there are a lot of women who are scared to go. Like I've gone on solo trips too. And everyone besides like, obviously my mom's going to freak out. She always is. But even some of my friends were, and I was like, hold on. Yeah. If a dude was doing this, would you have any problem with it? Like it's so much more common. And yeah, you have to be a little bit safer sometimes, but mm-hmm. with you being such a travel expert living all over the world, even say there's someone listening that has always felt kind of drawn to go on this solo trip. What would your biggest words of advice be on like picking a country or where to go? Well, first I would start by saying, if there is even a small part of you that wants to do it, do it do it big time. You can, and it will just, it will blow your mind, both in wherever you decide to go. And also that you prove to yourself that you could do it. That's step number one. Step number two, you know, picking a country, gosh, your options are endless, right? Um, If you're nervous, uh, I would pick countries where English is the first language, you know, that just kind of makes your travels a lot easier in theory. And then, um, you know, pick somewhere that's popular, that you're not super, super remote. You know, I, I lived in South Africa for a month. That may not be like a beginner trip. You know, maybe you're looking at somewhere like France or Spain, Italy, somewhere like that. Lots of places in South America are very friendly um, to people from the United States too. So yeah, don't go too hard on yourself. <laughs> don't just start off with the Middle East, like Beirut. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not the first step. <laughs> maybe not. So I love that. And then I also want to bring up, you're a huge outdoor enthusiast. I am. You're uh, bagging peaks every weekend as much as you can and doing that. So has that grown since you moved to Colorado 
or has that always kind of been there? Cause like for me, I hadn't done, I mean, I had climbed Mount Fuji in Japan, but I had never like done a lot of huge hikes until I moved here. And then it was like, everybody's doing these, you get the 14 or fever is what I call it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a perfect phrase for it. Yes. Yeah, I I think when I started traveling, I did have an interest in the outdoors and also growing up in upstate New York, like definitely in the Adirondacks, I was hiking. Um, But that sort of shifted during my travels. Instead of, you know, picking countries based on who knows what, I was looking for that outdoors element. And that definitely amplified when I went to Canada because, oh my gosh, talk about an underrated country. That is like some of the most spectacular nature I've ever seen in my life to the point where I was considering moving back, you know, once I came back to the United States for a while. So yeah, Colorado has definitely fueled that big time. I'm actually packing right now um, to leave tomorrow for a backpacking trip up Pikes Peak. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Yeah, so are you guys doing the sleepover at the hut? At bar camp? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do like a spaghetti dinner and then pancakes in the morning. And I'm like, I'm signing up for that. Yet. I've yeah. done it. They have good treats too. Oh, <laughs> excellent! Okay, we'll have to chat uh, so a little bit after this. What's your that. favorite feeling on the top of a mountain? Like, what's your inner dialogue? I love asking people this. Like, when oh. you hit that top, because it is hard. And anyone who says it's not hard they're lying because it's hard for everyone at some point the way up. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. It's just this like emotional flood that like courses through me. You know, I don't even, I don't know if even words can be formed in my mind at the top. It's just this like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, kind of a thing. And then, yeah, I did it. And then the adrenaline starts and you start to get a little shaky and you have to sit down. That's typically what I'm not graceful when I'm up there. There's nothing cute about me getting up a mountain. It's a hot mess. <laughs> From start to finish, it is a disaster area. So. I always laugh at like the influencers at the top that are like taking sports bra pictures. I was like, I don't have that kind of energy right now. Oh I'm God. sitting on a rock. <laughs> this is what you guys get. Right. Exactly. No, there's nothing cute. Mm-mm. I have a lot of respect for those babes who are up there. Perfect hair. And I'm like, I can't breathe. I have (laughs) dirt on my face. I don't really falling, but somewhere I must have. Yep. (laughs) Well, I think that's kind of like what a huge part of you. There's like, I'm sure you have fear sometimes when you go places, but like just meeting you, it's that fearlessness kind of about you that you're like, I'll go to any country. And I bet you would. If someone's like, oh, I'm going to Egypt, you're like, sure, whatever, I'll go. And then like, it's a hard mountain. That's a hard hike. Sure, I can do it. That is that kind of just how you view things? Like see the mountain in front of you. And in this aspect, it's a legit mountain in front of you. And just say, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's certainly not an absence of fear though. I think it's just this willingness to put myself in situations that are extremely uncomfortable in an effort to surprise myself. And I typically do. I'm typically surprised. Like, yeah, you did that. Good job. You know, a little pat on the back. Uh, But oh my gosh, that fear is real. That fear is normal. And it's just about compartmentalizing it and saying, you are not going to rule this day. You are not going to rule this hour, this flight, this hike, this, you know, 
month stay in a country where you don't know anyone, you are not going to rule that for me. I am in charge. And then moving forward. Love it. That's how everyone should view anything in life. Honestly, (laughs) you have to be uncomfortable. That's why I tell people all the time. If you want to change or do bigger things, it's never safety. (laughs) It's towing that line of here's the safety circle. I'm going to put a foot out. (laughs) Just kind of fill over here. Uh A little flutter. (laughs) Right. There's definitely some questionable moments of like, why am I doing this again? What is happening? Stop, (laughs) you know, but it's got pushed forward. But we're still here. That's what I would say. It's my time to go. It's my time to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, that's morbid, but yes. (laughs) I say to my mom all the time when I'm doing her things that she hates that I do. But it's it's the way to live. You got to live good, moms. Got to love them. So with writing in this next year, do you think you want to stay in human interest stories or what do you think the future holds for you? Yeah, that's where my heart lies. A hundred percent. My editors like to say that my niche is stories that make people cry. And I don't think that there's really any breaking out of that. And I don't necessarily want to. That's why I became a journalist uh, to tell those really hard stories. So Yeah, I think that that's, you know, I found my lane and I'm very happy in it for now. And that's such an incredible lane, honestly, to tell people's stories. Like what a gift and to do justice to it. Like the sister of the 9-11 victim, like that's her life. That's her story. And to be able to share that, what an honor. And I'm sure that you do them incredible justice. I'm excited to read those. So you'll have to share with us and we'll share them online. You know, especially coming up with the 9-11, it was all part of our, especially us 30-year-olds, that was a big part of our growing up. It was, it was. And it's so interesting now to really experience it for the first time, for me in a real way as adults. You Mm -hmm. know, I think we were just so young then, it was hard to really understand the enormity of what happened. And then to get these firsthand accounts from people, it's just, you know, it's unbelievable. life into perspective and that's what your stories do. Uh, that's all I can hope for, right? Yes. Well, I love it. So what would be in our parting words, what would be your biggest advice be like to inspire women? I think it leans on what I touched on before, <laughs> you know, just to repeat myself. Um, I think that the the hardest part is always making the decision. And once you do, you know, it's smooth sailing from there. And you, uh, you know, you are capable of so much more than you think. I love that. That's a beautiful sentiment. And then um, we just appreciate you so much for being on the podcast today and inspiring us. You are super inspirational. I mean, just find her on Instagram if you can. She's doing travels, she's writing stories, and she's got, you have a beautiful energy about you, I'd say. You're always oh, happy, you have a big you. smile, you enjoy life. And I'm thank sure you so that, much for that love. comes out into every writing or anything you do is that energy of just living life to the fullest. Thank you so much. It's really such an unbelievable honor <laughs> to even be considered for this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, we love it. And thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. And to all of our listeners, stay inspired. Thanks for listening to Inspiring Women of the 719. 
please like, subscribe, and follow us on all the socials. Until next time, here's to inspiring the 719, one woman at a time. Thank you.